Welcome to Adulting. The following podcast was recorded live on Blab. Welcome to Adulting, the podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome, welcome to Adulting TV Live. I am Miranda Marquette. Harlan Landis is on a battlefield somewhere in the south right now, so he's not joining us today. But we do have Zena Kumak. She is with Debt Three, Debt Free After Three, and she is joining us to talk about the solopreneur lifestyle. Welcome, Zena. Thanks for having me, Miranda. Excited to be here. Oh, we're glad to have you on. So first of all, let's talk about how you got into uh, becoming a solopreneur is kind of fun. There are a lot of people who hate that word, <laughs> but it's kind of a buzzword now. But how did you get into that? How did you get into this kind of freelance solopreneur lifestyle? You know, I never thought I would be here, really. Um, I remember telling um, my husband, my boyfriend at the time, that I would never want to own my own business or work for myself. That it was just too much pressure. And I would have friends that I knew would freelance. And I was just like, that's not for me. So it really was an accident. Um, what happened was I started blogging kind of just for fun, just as something to do to keep up my writing. And I wanted to share my story of trying to pay off my student loans in three years. Nice. So I started doing that and I got a few interviews, uh, a few media requests to tell my story. And after one of them, when I had mentioned that I'd been a journalist, uh, the woman interviewing me asked if I'd be interested in being a freelance writer. And I'd done a little bit of freelance, but it wasn't something I ever actively pursued. Okay. I said, sure. And um, I was part of the FinCon community at the time. And I just started hearing more opportunities about freelancing and doing that. And it kind of snowballed to the point where I would get home from work and start freelance writing and then, you know, go to bed and repeat the process. Um, You know, I was spending a few hours every day doing it. And I realized that I was making more money doing that on the side than I was at my day job. Nice. (laughs) So, so that was accident yeah <laughs> so did that that left you to just quit your day job and then just go for it or the timing worked out that I was already planning to quit because my husband and I wanted to move to Denver from Indianapolis so I already had a deadline that you know I was aiming towards and the plan originally was you know I would, we would move out to Denver and I find another full-time job So when I started freelancing and being successful at it, then I started thinking, well, what if I could just do this? Okay, nice. (laughs) So so what then are some of the advantages of living this lifestyle? So let's let's start with the good stuff right now, the the glamorous things that we, we do. So what are some of the advantages of living this lifestyle? Uh, the advantage, you know, everyone says it, but it really is just be kind of able to wake up and work um, wherever you are. 
Um, like right now I'm at my parents' house and they're at work and I can go to work and do that. Um, I try to count how many vacations I've taken this year and, you know, it's just tough to measure because as long as I can stay on top of my deadlines, you know, I can really do a lot. And I think just being able to control my schedule is pretty amazing. Like if there's a beautiful day outside, we can go on a hike. Um, if there is, I'm trying to think, Oh, like a few days ago, a friend asked if I wanted to go to opening day and she said, well, I asked you cause I knew you had a flexible schedule and she doesn't work on Fridays. And it was kind of nice knowing like, yeah, like I can say yes to these opportunities that, you know, I can just work, work later in the day or work ahead. Um, and sometimes it's hard to play catch up when there's a vacation that's a little more time consuming. But, you know, I have five weddings this year and I can do all of them if I want to. Nice. And that's one of the things I really value about this kind of lifestyle as well is just the fact that I really can kind of arrange my schedule the way I want. Um, I can say no to jobs I don't want to do. I And, uh, but, but part of it, it, it and just the flexibility, I mean, mm. you can do pretty much whatever you want when you want to do it, as long as you're making your deadlines. So, yeah. So that's, I, I like that too. Uh, so why now, one of the things uh, that I really like about this too, is that I can live wherever I want. Uh, I chose to move back to Idaho, which now that's what I chose to do. So I chose to move back to Idaho, but I could live anywhere I wanted uh, because of this lifestyle. And and what about you? I mean, do you sometimes feel like you could do what you wanted, but you're still working on following your husband or, or how does that work? So that is the other benefit is that my husband um, works with me and he also does music on the side. So we're mm -hmm. both self-employed. Oh, very nice. So what made you decide to move to Denver then? You know, we had been in Indy for a few years, and my husband's originally from Indiana, so I think for him, it was this need to see what it was like living somewhere else. Um, and then we contemplated a bunch of other cities, and Denver was the one that we could agree on, and it's been really great so far. Nice. And have you thought about living someplace else because you can? I mean, do you guys think you'll move somewhere else since you're both in a location independent? I think in a few years we might move back just because we still, he still has a lot of family back there and a lot of friends. Um, and we're planning to buy some rental properties there in a, in a year or two, nice. but it's nice knowing that like we were kind of, you know, discussing our dream lifestyle and I was like, well, what if we could have a place there and a place, you know, somewhere in Colorado, like some cheap place, maybe close to the mountains or something. And knowing that we could kind of, yeah, just be location dependent and control our own schedules. And it's funny because his parents right now live in Florida and they can kind of kind of be snowbirds. And it's nice knowing that we can kind of do the same thing. We just don't have to wait until we're 60. Nice. <laughs> so so now we've talked about some of these great things and it sounds so fabulous and, and so glamorous. <laughs> Here we are, you know, I got dressed today, so good for me. But... Uh, <laughs> 
Well, so yesterday I didn't. And that was the and the sad thing is I left the house in my workout clothes because I was I spent all day in my workout clothes. And then I was like, well, I have to go do this one thing. There is one thing I have to do outside the house today. Is it worth getting dressed for? No, it wasn't. <laughs> so but we've talked about all this great glamour. Uh, how do you get to that point? How do you get to the point where you can actually start designing your own lifestyle the way you want? Because it's nice to say, oh, well, I'm location independent and I can do this because I want to or I can do that because I want to. But how do you get to that point? Because uh, it doesn't just magically happen. No, I probably spent about a year when I would come home, you know, take my dog on a walk, go work out, and then sit back on the computer. And I got to the point where I got tendonitis in my wrist. Oh. Because I was, you know, eight hours a day at work writing and then writing at home. And my doctor asked if I could, you know, spend less time at the computer. And I said, not not for my job. Um, and it would get to the point where it'd be 1 a.m. and I'd be writing something or trying to make a connection, trying to network with people. So it was definitely a huge time commitment. Um, Mm. And it was definitely something that I don't know if I felt like I sacrificed a lot, but it would be the point where my husband would ask if I wanted to watch a movie and I have to say, okay, well, if I watch a movie, that means that, you know, I have to work extra hard tomorrow. And I mean, I felt like I didn't see a movie you know, for like two weeks, I would go without watching something. <laughs> and it would be normally that, you know, you get home from work, go work out, you have a few hours to relax. And, um, you know, I would cook dinner and listen to a podcast about business. And I would really try to maximize my time and listen to audiobooks that would, you know, help me more, make, make me more productive. Um, during my lunch breaks, I would do an interview or a media request so it was pretty crazy for a while and it definitely felt like, you know, I kind of had to give up a lot of things. Um, the good thing is I didn't really have a ton of friends in town. A lot of them had already moved away at that point. So it didn't feel like I gave up a lot of my social life, but it definitely felt like I gave up some hobbies and just, just downtime. Um, it definitely felt like I was working, you know, to the bone about 60 hours a week. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that a lot of people don't look at. Uh, they like look at the end result, like what happens after you've put in all that work. And we talk about an overnight success a lot. But the reality of the situation is is you, to get even to that, that overnight success, um, you actually worked quite hard up till that point. And, and I like what you point out about, you know, you come home and you, you have to make these trade-offs. Well, am I going to watch a movie today? Am I going to have to work extra tomorrow if I watch this movie? Um, yeah, it's a completely different situation. And getting to that point does take a lot of trade-offs and deciding, you know, what you're going to do. But I guess in the end, it's, I assume it's worth it. <laughs> it's been worth it for me. <laughs> no, it's, I still kind of pinch myself um, because I never really thought I would be in this position, like I said earlier. And, you know, there are tons of jobs where you can't be location dependent. You can't really be a solopreneur. And I'm really grateful that what I want to do and what I'm good at has led me to this job. Yeah. And I can, I can kind of, um, 
<laughs> I can I can relate to that because it's it's we both do the same thing. It would have been great to have Harlan on, but <laughs> we both do the same thing. <laughs> but yeah, so then what are some of the other ways that you you uh, cope? So now you've done all the hard work. Now you mostly have this great location independent lifestyle you have the solopreneur lifestyle but what are some of the challenges you still face like right now what are some of those those issues that you still have sometimes one thing i never really realized is there's no guarantee of income just because a client hires you one month doesn't mean they're going to hire you next month and it might not even be your fault it might not be because they didn't like your work it might just be that you know, they already have enough content or they have to scale back their budget. Um, I've had a lot of people just say that, you know what, they cut my freelance budget or I hired someone full time. So they're going to take everything on. So every month is literally a blank slate. I start off every month and there are a couple clients that I know that they'll need something from me. But for the most part, I have to build that all from scratch. Yeah. And, um, I'm a very, let's say emotional person, but everything is kind of, um, you know, the highs of freelancing feels so good and you can take a hundred percent credit because it's something that you've built. And then the lows of freelancing, they feel just as intense because it's all on you. You're the business development person. You're the writer, the marketer, you're the CEO. Um, I'm not the accountant anymore. I've hired that out. So it's very um, but it is something that you build yourself. So you have to take a hundred percent responsibility and you know, there's no one else to blame if something goes wrong. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that's a really good point when you're living kind of the solopreneur lifestyle, even if you're not a freelance writer, if you're doing something else, uh, you can't always say, you know, this is going to be a steady source of income all the time. So you do have to plan ahead. So how do you plan around that? How do you plan around this idea of a variable income when you're, when you're doing this? So I was very cautious because my husband and I have been planning for probably more than a year to move to Denver. So because I knew that I would be, he was going to be able to transfer. Um, but I knew that I'd be job hunting. So I made sure that we set up six months worth of expenses before we moved out. And having that set up really made me feel a lot better. We haven't had to dip into it. So it's really something that I was able to have the freedom to job hunt. And, you know, we were able to move out here and find a place. Um, I would say that you generally have to have something like that. You have to have a cushion unless, you know, you do have parents that are going to help you out. Um, but otherwise, you really need to have that that support to fall back on when there's a lean month or you're having trouble getting started. Um, but I would say that, you know, you don't have to necessarily do what I did working after a full-time day job. But for the most part, it really helps already having those clients before you make the jump to full-time because otherwise you're starting from scratch and it takes a while to network and, you know, make those connections and figure out who needs help and where you can market your services. There's a lot of trial and error. And I mean, I have probably less than 10% chance that if I reach out to someone that they're going to give me a job. So it really is all about having 
you know, the financial security to say, I don't have to take everything that comes my way. I don't have to go and work for, you know, 28 hours a blog post just to make ends meet that I can continue hunting until I find something that works for me. Yeah, that that backup does really help. Uh, when I started, when I started, um, we were pretty much living off of my then husband's student loans. And so that was our our cushion was student loan money, which is probably not the, the best way to do it. But then uh, I did have to throw myself in and say, I've, I've got to make this work. And there were days that I did do horrible things that I didn't want to do for terribly small amounts of money, uh, just just so that we would have money for groceries that week. So uh, coming at it from a from a perspective where you say, okay, I'm going to plan this out. I've got my, my, my real job and I'll do this, build it on the side really kind of makes sense because I, I never did that. I just threw myself in and had to, like I said, do a lot of things I'm not really proud of. So uh, that's kind of the way it goes sometimes. Uh, but I want to kind of backtrack a little bit. You talked about outsourcing your accounting. You didn't have to be the accountant anymore. Oh, bless you. And uh, let, let's talk about how kind of that falls into the solopreneur lifestyle once you start going. Uh, are there some things that you feel are really good for outsourcing and that really help you kind of build your business and let you design your lifestyle better in the long run? I am a big fan of outsourcing anything that you're not good at and that you don't have to do. So right now I uh, outsource a lot of my web development, um, which is great because I have deleted my website at least twice. And that is a really scary thing to, you know, go to your URL and see a white page. Um, I've done that at least twice. So not having to worry about that is really nice and not, you know, having to try to install something that is going to result in something really horrible happening. Um, I do outsource my accounting now and my taxes because I realized that I was spending a lot of time on that and I don't have to do that. There's no reason why I have to be the one to do that. Um, my husband takes care of a lot of the household stuff just because that's one more thing that I don't have to worry about. Nice. Um, and I do outsource my Pinterest because I'm, I never really go on Pinterest, uh, for fun. So it made sense to outsource that to someone who's much more competent. Um, and it's all about if that takes away time that you can be doing what you're best at, it just makes more sense to do it. Unless it's prohibitively expensive. Mm -hmm. If you could spend that hour building, you know, a client base and networking and writing, it's going to be better for you in the long haul because that will pay off in dividends. Whereas if I do my bookkeeping myself every month, you know, that's not going to make me more money in the long run. Yeah. And that's a really good point. It's one of the reasons why a lot of my social media is outsourced to a VA. And I know a lot of people who have somebody else manage their email and the accounting as well. I don't do my own taxes. A lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, you do your own taxes, you can save money. Uh, the amount I pay my accountant is less than what I could 
you know, is a lot less than what I could make in those hours that I spent devoted to figuring out my taxes. And I used to do my own taxes in the past. I've done my own taxes in the past. I know what it takes and I'm capable of it. But I also know that the time is better spent, like you said, doing something else. The amount of money I save uh, doing taxes or the amount of money that I pay uh, my VA to manage my social media and do some other things, that's a lot less than what I could be making. And and so that trade-off makes a lot of sense. And when you start doing this uh, lifestyle stuff, when you start doing your own business, you really do need to learn, okay, what makes sense for me to do and what makes sense for someone else to do. Yeah. And that's something that, you know, there's been stuff that I've outsourced and I don't know if I've always put that time back into my business because Mm -hmm. one of the best parts of having more money is not having to work and using that time. Um, And I know this is something that you've kind of talked a lot about um, this year, Miranda, is just having more time not to work. And if that means you pay someone to take care of something that, you know, costs you five hours a week, that's awesome. Yeah, and that's a really good point, too. Uh, One of the big reasons why I made this move to Idaho was so that I wouldn't have to work as much. And so I'd have a lower cost of living. And I did do have more time. So that is true, because uh, a lot of the time what I do is, is pay for time. Because you can you can always make more money. If I decide that I need to make more money, I can sit down and make more money. But I can't ever get the time back. I can't get the time back with my son if I want to go on a like weekend getaway or if I want to do something fun. I can't get that back. So that's that's a really good point too. Is, is that part of this whole idea of being a solopreneur, running your own business, being a freelancer, all of that stuff. I mean, the main idea of that is this freedom. And if all you're doing is working all the time, what's the point? You might as well have a real job. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely been one of the huge benefits is that I don't, I feel like when I'm working, I'm being really efficient and I'm Mm -hmm. doing things that I'm good at. And when I'm not working, I can really concentrate on what makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's a good point, too, is is what makes you happy. And uh, I like what you said, too, earlier about, you know, you can kind of do the snowbird thing, but you don't have to be 60. So <laughs> I like I like what you said earlier about that, because really, that's true. Um, I get a lot of. Uh, a lot of flack from people like in real life who know me and they're like, what are you doing? You're, you're spending this money now. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm putting money aside. That's part of being, you know, part of this whole thing is you do need to be responsible. And I do put money in my retirement account and I do put money in my health savings account. And, you know, I, I, you know, have an emergency fund and we, we do these things, but at the same time, it's like, so, I've got what I need and I'm planning for the future. Um, Why do I need to build a big pile of cash when I can just go enjoy my life right now? And I get a lot of flack about that. Oh, well, you know, you could save up and you could have a big pile of cash later. I'm like, but what would I do with it when I'm 70 and, and sad? Yeah, I, I definitely prefer not trying to maximize my working now because Mm -hmm. I've kind of seen the benefits of, just being able to have a more relaxed lifestyle. And yeah, like I'd rather have that when I'm young and, you know, being able to enjoy things instead of, you know, I've seen what it's like when you're older and trying to travel and, you know, maybe not able to accomplish as much, especially 
Um, my husband and I don't have kids now. We don't really have a ton of responsibilities except for our dog. Um, so it's really nice being able to have that freedom. And that it, that's another thing that you can't really purchase. Yeah, and that's a really good point. Uh, you, you can't uh, purchase that freedom and... You know, and the other thing you have to worry about, too, is if you put it off till later and if you say, I'm going to do this later, is later even going to exist? Um, you, you know, I, I felt I fell down like a few weeks ago and completely messed up my wrist. And <laughs> it wasn't like a life or death situation, but I, I sat there in the hospital going, what if this had been a life or death situation? <laughs> and and what if I was sitting here in a couple years and didn't have this opportunity anymore? And I had missed it because I was spending all this time working. And, and that's not, I mean, the point of doing the solopreneur stuff is to live that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So finally, what do you have to say to people who want to kind of get into this? What is some of your best advice for getting started? The number one thing is that even though it says solo in Soulpreneur, <laughs> you really can't do this alone. Um, I don't know where I would be without the connections I've had, especially mm-hmm. at, at FinCon, um, where I met you and Harlan. <laughs> um, I would be nowhere. And I always tell people that you really have to have a network to do. You have to have people to rely on, to refer you to jobs, to give you good advice, um, to really steer you in the right direction. And I think what a lot of people don't realize, and I had this trouble in the beginning, is that you kind of have to spend money to get into this. Um, If you want to go to a conference, Mm -hmm. if you want to join a community, um, you're probably going to have to spend either time or money to do it. And hopefully it'll pay off in the long run. Um, I've spent money on things that I thought would help me in this business that haven't worked out. And I've spent time doing things that I thought would work out that haven't. And a lot of it is trial and error. I try to be really um, gentle with myself about that, that if I think it's going to pay off, you know, I'll take that risk. And sometimes it doesn't, but it really helps having people to say, you know, you should try this or this is a good idea. um, Because most of what you're doing has been done before and there's probably someone out there who's been successful at it. So if you can pick their brain, you know, be really nice about it. Don't just waste someone's time, but if you can kind of get that advice from them and figure out what you need to do ahead of time, that will save you a lot of time and money in the long run, you know, figuring out where your business is going to go. Yeah, and I, I like this idea of they always talk about you have to spend money to make money, and that's that's still true. And but but what you spend your time and money on uh, is different. And you talked about FinCon; that's really great for us, and because we're primarily in the financial space. But there are lots of other great networking conferences out there, just depending on your yeah. niche. So get out there and do some networking because, like you said, Zena, you cannot do it alone. And yeah. and we. I, rem- I mean, it's really kind of evolved. I remember back when I started 11 years ago, which is like 100 years in Internet time. But back when I started doing this forever ago, it really was like we were all just sitting in our little computers and, you know, the, the whole stereotype in our dark basements, just kind of typing things out. And we felt like the beautiful thing about this living as a freelancer, solo, solopreneur, living this digital lifestyle was that we didn't have to actually meet people. 
people and we could just sit back here behind our computer and we didn't have to meet people but that's not the way it is anymore we have to come out from behind the computer and we have to meet people and that's the only way you're gonna uh you're gonna succeed in the long run yeah i've actually fincon was so great for me that and i'm a total extrovert i totally miss having coworkers and um and you know a kitchen to chat to and hang out at um so i've signed up for i think four other conferences this year nice <laughs> i thought well i mean a fewer in cities where i have friends and i can kind of make it a vacation but I thought, you know what, if FinCon was so great and helped me meet all these people and get all these jobs and learn so much, I can probably, you know, learn a lot from all these other conferences, too, and, and build a, even more networks. Yeah, and I'm I'm an introvert, so <laughs> so you're like, yeah, let's go to the conferences. And for <laughs> for an introvert, that's a, it's a little different uh, process. Uh, we kind of we have to we have to psych ourselves up to go to these things, and I usually have to go disappear for there. There'll be a couple hours every day where someone somewhere will be like, where where did you go? And I'm like, I went and hid in my room. That's what I did. <laughs> but uh, but yes. It, it is important to get out there. And um, even if you're an introvert, you do need to get out there. So, mm -hmm. but um, we are coming up on our half hour. So <laughs> we'll go ahead and wrap it up. But thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell uh, everyone where you can be found? So if you want to read my blog, it is debtfreeafter3.com, all spelled out. On Twitter, I'm at Zena Kumak. I have a Facebook page for the blog. That free after three. And if you want to hire me, because I am available, it is xenakumak.com. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Remember that you can visit us on adulting.tv and you can also uh, subscribe to our pod podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And uh, next week, we are going to talk about when it is time to move in with somebody. We're going to have the debt-free guys on. So uh, join us for that next week. And thank you, Zena, and have a good day. Yeah, thanks, Miranda. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.